Beautiful soul, have you ever wanted to speak to angels? Do you believe angels can support you in your daily life? If this is you, go onto my website, theangelmedium.com and sign up for our email list. As a gift for signing up, I'm going to send you 31 healing meditations that if you do daily, they're going to help you tap into your angels and your own intuition. Start using these today and you'll start to see changes in 31 days. Now take a deep breath. Ask your angels to surround you with love, fill you with joy, infuse you with ease. And remember, your angels say that any messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I am here with a very, very special guest today. You know him as New York Times bestselling author multiple times over, Matt Kahn, who is just released a new book called All for Love. Matt, thank you so much with just blessing us with your time and space and being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here with you. Ah, well, I'm so excited to dive in. So you start the book kind of talking out about childhood and how kind of as an adult, you go back to childhood and you kind of replay some things that are happening and you become much more aware of how to hold space for others, how to love others on a deeper level. And I got to tell you, Matt, I've been interviewing people since I was 14 years old. I'm 40 now. And you just write in such a beautiful, almost poetic, flowy way that I was really struggling with almost how to put the first chapter into words for people because it's just so brilliantly written. So can you kind of start us off with the beginning of the book and how you lay this out for folks? Sure. You know, when I'm going to write a book, because I channel, but I'm an embodied channel. So I'm an embodiment of what I'm channeling. When I sit down to write a book and I, know, and I have the idea of what I'm going to write, I sit down and I channel an outline. And then I write a channel from the outline that I channel. So it's kind of an interesting thing where I sit down and, and I, when it's time to write a book, it flows in such an eloquent way. So I sat down and channeled the outline of the book, like I'm telling myself what it's going to be in like 25 minutes. Yeah. It just wrote it out. And then I'm like, okay, that's the book. And as I start writing by that prompt and channeling each section, I start to feel, and I started to feel this in chapter one, like I am capturing lightning in a bottle. And it was literally like every piece that came through and the order it came through and how the whole book structured itself. Because I literally was just the space it came through. This book, as I'm writing it, I actually had the same experience you did. I thought, how is this coming out in this specific order? Because what I truly believe is that sometimes some of the most groundbreaking and compelling insights that we have, it's partially determined by the order in which it's presented. And there's a way in which how this book was structured by spirit, that as I'm writing this book, I'm both bawling my eyes out from the stories of my life and my family, my upbringing that only until recently I remembered. And I do it as a way to paint a very 
even picture of how I became who I became and using every personal story as a backdrop for every chapter of learning how to truly hold space for ourselves and other people. But as I'm writing this book, that's exactly what I was saying is the order at which this is coming through me is so precise. And it it literally created, I mean, this is my fourth book. I've never created a book that has this type of energy, this type of presence, this type of healing power is truly something that moved through me. And I'm so grateful that I got to be a part of this process. I'm so glad that you said it that way, because there's so many people here, healers who listen to the show themselves. And when I sat down to write my first book, that's the exact way it came through. The angel said, sit down, put together a list of chapters or just kind of I brainstormed first. Here's all the different chapters. And then they said, now put that in order of the way people need to learn it. That's right. And then in each one of those, they had me go in and write a sub outline for the chapter. And then that's what it was. And, and once I sat down and said, okay, these are all the things that we got to talk about in the chapter. You're right. It just pours through. And so, um, that book came out last November and just last week, Matt, I was getting ready to go take a nap over in our family on the weekends. My husband's a teacher. He has to get up really early throughout the week. So we always take a nap on the weekends, Saturdays. And so I'm getting my cup of water ready. I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to take a nap. And Spirit said, write this down first. And it was this entire kid's book I wanted to write And they actually brought in other parts to this book that I didn't even see how they had fit together before. Yeah. But it was just incredible. And as you were talking, because I was like, but what's the end? How do I tie this full circle? And that came through like you holding space right now and just speaking. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. My absolute pleasure. It's amazing. Like as I've learned my own process, because I've I've been channeling, you know, both my books and individual healing sessions, you know, doing my work for the last 18 years. Yeah. I've learned how my process works by doing it. So I've been watching myself, studying myself, book after book, teaching after teaching, retreat after retreat, session after session. And it's one of those things where even when I start to write an outline and I'm going through the process, I will look at the structure of my chapter outlines. And I will start to look at it almost like how a director looks at a storyboard. And we start to go, okay, we film these scenes, but if we put it in this order, what kind of arc do we create for our readers or our viewers? If I put it in this order, what's the arc? And I'm constantly looking at how the reorganization of of knowledge and wisdom and insight that I channel, because it's one thing to be like, it's, it's kind of like a buffet. Wisdom is like a buffet in Vegas. Let me just give you this analogy. You can go to the buffet and you go all the stations, you get all the stuff. You have two plates full of all this vibrant, beautiful food. And the eating of that food is going to be a very short experience. The longer experience is how long it takes for you to digest the food that you've put on the plate. So when I look at a book, it's like a buffet and I want to organize it in a way where not only do I give everyone all the tastes of all the beautiful options, but I want to organize it in a way that helps people to digest, assimilate, and integrate the healing wisdom in the most powerful way. And again, when I wrote this book, this book for me, All for Love, one of the most groundbreaking, probably the most groundbreaking offering I've offered to date 
because not only is, was the most personal I've ever been about my personal life, but it was also the way in which it was just laid out and put together allows all of what I'm helping people learn how to speak to ourselves when we're in survival mode, how to speak to others when we're at odds, how to communicate with people who ghost you or people that reject you when you choose your needs over what someone else desires from you. To walk people through a process where they can learn to be comfortable speaking truth, but from a loving place and how to deal with people that may not also be in that same loving place. Again, my goal was satisfied by the way this book was organized. And from the people that have read it so far, it, you know, it just, it, it, it charms my heart so much yeah. to know that what, how much of myself is in this book and how deeply it's being received. So I'm just, oh, it's so gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So let's kind of back up a little bit and let's start from the beginning because there are um, might be like 50 50 right some people know what holding space means some people don't know what this term means so let's start there to you what is holding space holding space is the ability to remember that we and other people are always on a deeply profound healing journey and that while we may interpret that our stresses or uncertainties are coming from our work our occupation, our relationships, whatever, all of those are symbols of what is really occurring on the inside is what we call our inner process, our inner process of healing, transformation, and awakening. Now, the interesting thing is most people in the world are going through a deep level of healing, awakening, and transformation, but on a societal level, we don't talk about it openly yet because it's not a very globally known truth. So, we make it about symptoms and we decompartmentalize and we make it about um, weakness instead of strength and having to be tough instead of vulnerable. And um, I can only be in the way that keeps me acceptable and validated by other people. And so really holding space is the ability to meet ourselves and others as if we are all going through the deepest healing journey, whether we know it or not. And how do we communicate our needs to ourselves? How do we communicate our needs to other people? And how do we build relationships from the awareness that we're all healing without using it to justify being in toxic relationships or to be, oh God, what's the word? To, to be someone who, you know, who enables other people to take advantage of us. So really it's a book about how to further our own healing, how to learn how to start to become our own inner healer, how to communicate with other people from a place of empowerment and love, and how to interact in an ever-divided world without having to necessarily only communicate with people we agree with, and how do we communicate when we're with people who believe and see things differently than we do. This is truly a book that is not only going to help us heal, but is going to help us manifest unity consciousness at a time when the world is so divided. So, all right, there's so many different ways I want to go with this. <laughs> yeah. um, let's take it by example, because there are different things that come up. And I think that we could realize how we hold space. So, so let's take a purse who's person who's ghosted you, whether that's a friend who's really not returning a lot of your calls um, or a partner who's not returning those calls. How do you walk through that? It's a good question. It's a great question, actually. When we are being ghosted, we realize that if we go beyond the surface of what I said, how I'm being perceived, 
that literally our vibrational presence as beings, we would like to think that as healers, every moment we're around other people is going to be a profound moment of healing. Now, that, that opportunity simply is, is there as, as an option. But what's interesting is just as with other people, there are great times to spend time with people and there are times that we need to be alone for our own inner process. Most people don't know when they need alone time. And if most people don't have a value for alone time, right? Most people's alone time is only something they embrace once they're already completely exhausted and nearly debilitated. So most people don't know they have a right to ask for space. Most people don't know the benefit of having space because in their mind, it's associated with being less popular, let's say. So when people are ghosting us, it's just an energetic way for us to say, right? Not for an ego. My energy is best supporting them right now from afar. <laughs> By and, not being there. <laughs> right? Like, imagine if I said to you, what can I do? to be the greatest agent of healing in your life. And you said, what would really help me is if you vanished. <laughs> and I said, oh, so less of me would bring forth more of you. And it has nothing to do with you. It's no, just see, the space the that they're in. It's just the space that they're in, in that, at that moment. Some people are still processing downloads of consciousness and they don't have room for more consciousness. And if you represent consciousness, you're going to be like a ray of sunshine blinding someone versus bringing clarity to a darkened corner of their awareness. So we have to really separate what people need. And the thing is, is that most people interpret what they need from such an egoic perspective that they only know how to ask for space by pushing other people away. Mm. So we learn to reinterpret rejection as, oh, they must need space for me. And in reality, who do they really need space for from? Consciousness. So that their ego can have the space to process and assimilate what is actually helping the ego awaken in consciousness. And so when we see it through the eyes of healing, we don't have to adopt a story of victimhood, a story of rejection. We actually become very humble space holders and we say, if there's part of me that's taking it personally, what part in me is that giving me the chance to love and focus on? Mm. And now two people are healing. I get this on a deeper level over the past week. I'm a homebody. Like I like to be at home in my pajamas, you yeah, know, reading at the end of the day or watching a show with my kiddo in my arms and my husband on the other side. And um, we had like graduation parties and birthday parties and neighborhood parties, all these different things happening one after another for five nights. And I got to the end and I was like, for the first time in like five years, I can't feel my own energy. <laughs> like it's just been giving, 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 go, go, go. So depleted. So I get this on a very profound level because you really do need that time and that space to tune in. But maybe we don't even realize that to a greater degree until we're that depleted. Well, I think what a lot of people do is they don't even tune in until all obligations have been fulfilled because we have to be all things to all people. So I think that what I look at 
and I didn't necessarily write this in the book, but it's a good compliment to what the book has written in it, is that we all have, actually, I did talk about this. There's a line in the book that I actually did say this, that we all have an energetic and emotional bank account. And disempowerment and resentment is when we're writing checks that we can't cash, when we're agreeing to things that we haven't tuned in to say, I, am I in a space to do so? And, the re, and, and in the book, chapter seven, boundaries is an act of self-love, which is an incredible, I mean, just for that chapter alone, the book is incredible. But in that chapter, you know, we, we, we talk about making sure that we're not in a state of overgiving. Because what happens is when I was raised in a codependent family, my family would overgive and deplete themselves and exhaust themselves. And then when they needed something, they'd bring up all the things they did for me. And I'd kind of be like mafia into a corner of like, you're going to do this for us. <laughs> and I realized I was raised to believe that codependency and overgiving was a form of loyalty. And so whenever I would want to hold space for myself or like, guys, I appreciate you wanting me to be there. I don't have the bandwidth. That would be perceived by me or reflected to me as a lack of loyalty or I'm not wanting to be a part of the family. And what I've had to help my family learn, and I help my mom and dad both learn this and my sister, and we've all learned this, is that taking care of yourself isn't rejecting the family. It's taking the time to strengthen a character who has the chance to bring more to the family once they're in a state of balance, alignment, and connection. Okay, so... Yeah, let's go there because yeah. um, I am of the very firm belief that every single soul is equal. Every like no soul. I don't believe in making people right or wrong in my life. I just see all souls as on that different journey levels of or different. The roadmap of consciousness journey is laid out. <laughs> We're just all at different stages of it. And so there is no right or wrong, bad or good. I do think that there's a level of safety, healthiness um, that we get to as we do this work for ourselves and we become safe, healthy people ourselves. And then you kind of look around and there's some people within your life that are not at that same roadmap journey point of that safety, security, healthiness. And so in what instances do you recommend that you kind of maybe distance yourself from those people because it's not safe enough. And in what circumstances do you work with those people in order to create those healthy, safe relationships? It's a great question. I think that what's very popular right now is for people to lean on, kick them out of your life. Yeah. Boundaries are a form of ego karate. Hiya. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, you chew with your mouth open? Done. Banned. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like the Seinfeld episode. No soup for you. <laughs> You're banned for a year. Oh, oh, I tell you about what I believe in you, how your eye flutters. No soup for you. So what I think is that distancing yourself from people is the last resort after clear communication. What I believe to be true is my, well, I know to be true, my book, All for Love, literally through 10 chapters helps someone find safety in themselves. Because what I think is so interesting is that some of the safety that we feel, the lack of safety we feel around other people is actually caused by how inauthentic we're being or how not honest we're being in our conversation with people. 
Friend, if the idea of connecting to your angels and changing your life using your very own spiritual gifts sounds amazing and is deeply resonating with you today, I want you to go on my website and check out my angel membership. Registration is open. Sign up today and you'll get access to new course content and events each week and a private community. Members love how everything you need for your spiritual awakening is all in one place. Sign up today, angel membership. It's incredibly healing. Also, the winner of this month's free reading with me is in the show notes below. Leave a five-star positive review of my podcast or book, and you could be next month's winner. Lastly, check out the upcoming events page on my website, theangelmedium.com, because we have a lot of upcoming events that I know you're going to be interested in. So, for example, abuse is when someone completely disrespects a boundary that you've clearly and repeatedly articulated. So if you say to someone, hey, I'm not able to be there today. I just want to let you know, and I wish you all the best. Now, someone can be hurt. They can project. That's fine. And if someone were to continually disrespect your boundary, you know, I would say, you know, just just to show a pattern and you were to say one more time, like, hey, I really can't do this. this is not good for me. And if it were to continue, then we would say, okay, can we put this person on notice and say, I know you want what you want, but this is feeling a little abusive to me. And I just want to let you know that this is not feeling good to me. And mm -hmm. we put people on notice. Mm -hmm. And then if it continues, we go, okay, this person doesn't care about my feelings. They care only what they want. And that's not working for me. Then we go into creating distance. But I think what happens in today's day in 2022 is we try to employ the boundaries and kick people out way too quickly Usually, become sub, usually because subconsciously the ego would rather be the rejector so it can have a break from fearing rejection, which is an ugly truth that we have to face in really seeing this through, that actually no matter how unconscious people's families may be, no matter how much people in your family don't want to do the inner work, if we are communicating clearly Nine times out of 10, people don't have to like what they hear, but they will respect it if we speak from the language of respect, which is honesty. And the groundbreaking realization in all this is that most people are managing other people's feelings, are trying to keep people in a certain emotional state to keep themselves what they think is protected and safe. We don't need to manage people's feelings. We manage people's expectations. And when we manage people's expectations to say, hey, by the way, I know I said I'd be at this event, not feeling really good right now, but I just want to let you know as soon as I knew, I'll keep you updated. That's managing an expectation. What people do is they manage other people's emotions instead of managing expectations. The ego just wants something to manage. And the good thing is there's something it can manage, expectations. And that's where we find ourselves communicating clearly and not trying to be all things to all people. And nine times out of 10, when we're that authentic, we find ourselves able to feel safe, 
no matter how unconscious another person can be. Because just because someone's unconscious doesn't mean they're unsafe to be around. Most of our lack of safety is from what we're not communicating. Mm -hmm. So so uh, let's kind of like recap this for people, because a lot of this is you really can't do this work unless you've done the work within yourself to get to this healthy space. Like a person who, um, cause I grew up in a very codependent family too, and I learned those behaviors and it really was hard to even communicate anything, like just to talk about my feelings or just to like, if there's a difficult situation, it's e easier for me to just like tune it out completely than to actually have the conversation that needs to be had. So how did you learn or was is that like a trait for all codependent folks or how how did you learn to actually have the hard conversation? Well, there's there's the true answer. I was not allowed to turn away. When my when my family wanted to interrogate me, which is what it felt like to me. Yeah. I didn't have an option and I would scream at my parents this is really not feeling good to me. This is hurting me. I need to go to my room and be alone. We're not done with you. I'm so sorry. We'll tell you when you're done. I didn't have that choice. I had to learn to be comfortable in fire. I lived in a family where confrontation could not be avoided. And do you know something? I'm not speaking from a wound. I'm speaking from how I turned that wound into a strength. Mm. That the truth is, is that for a lot of us, we think we're afraid of confrontation because we don't actually step into communication. Most conversations don't have to be confrontations. You just have to be willing to stand tall in the truth of what is good for you and be empathetic with other people's experiences without apologizing for being an individual. Now, for a lot of people who are on the spiritual path, this book is going to radically deepen their processing and healing and their ability to be empowered on a very radical level. For those people who haven't taken an inner journey and are just doing the work on themselves in relationship, this book will help to transform the ability to speak more openly to communicate more consciously and to other and understand other people's experiences so we don't have to turn it into a disempowering story against ourselves. So whether people are doing inner work or only working on themselves to the extent that it makes sense in relationships, the good news is the book can meet you wherever you're at in the spiritual journey. And most importantly, it gives us the ability. I even give like sentences and throughout the whole book of here's what you could say to people and you could either use those words or find the way you would say it. But it literally is like I'm in the book saying, hey, say this, try this. And because I think and, and, and I would love to see if this is true for your upbringing. Most of us are afraid of confrontation, two reasons. One, because we don't do it enough to find out that we're actually very good at communication. And two, we actually don't know what to say because we're so frozen in states of dysregulation. So that's it. Like, right. so, so I am a good speaker. I've been a great writer all my life, but I get into like that conversation where you have to have a tough conversation and it feels like my mind is going blank. It feels like I'm on stage in front of 10,000 people. My hands start to get clammy and sweaty. My heart starts to beat faster. I feel this intense anxiety and I just want to have my notes in front of me because I do know my truth. I know what I need to say. 
I want to say it with love, but sometimes I worry like that's just going to be like too much for people to see. Like if I have some bullet points in front of me, like, is that going to shut them down? Um, yes, it yeah. Will. So what if you said this, what if you started the conversation? Okay. And I'll give you an example. So I'll give you the same advice <clears throat> that I give someone who has writer's block. You'll see the connection. So someone who has writer's block says to me, Matt, I'm trying to write a book and I, nothing's coming to me. I said, so why don't you write a journal entry on what's it like to be ready to write a book and nothing's coming through? Why don't you actually write about the experience you're having, not the one you wish you were having? So in communication, it's the same way. If that's how you felt in the beginning of the conversation, what if you started with, I want to start this conversation by saying, my mind is blank. My hands are sweaty and shaky because I have a lot of important things to share with you, but I'm very scared that you're going to reject and hurt me as a result. So I want to let you know, this is a very big deal for me. I'm going to share some very deep truths with you that are about me. And if you can handle me with care and compassion, I would love to have this moment of connection with you. What if you started out with the actual experience? That is huge. Oh my gosh, you're going to bring me in tears. Like that was just the most incredible thing. I love it. I love it. I think this almost might answer my next question, but I just want to be sure. Um, I Spirit talks about slow processors and fast processors. So you can be like, my aunt is a speedy ass processor. You get into a conversation with her and she's lightning, right? Like she's just coming back with one thing after another. I'm the type of person that leaves a conversation three days later and I was like, oh man, I, I wanted to make this point and I wanted to say this. I'm a slow processor. I have to chew on things. I have to marinate on things. I have to tune into how I feel about it, but I don't get there right away. Right. How does this tie in? Have you ever said to your aunt, I adore how fast of a processor you are, but I take a longer time and I would love to, I'm listening and excited about everything that you're processing. And I would love to walk away and have some time to, to feel into this and get back to you about how I feel. So again, why not make honesty Yes. How we are trying to connect with people. And then if people can't meet us there, they're just letting us know they're not in a space for that kind of connection. And I'll give you another example. So I walked into a holiday party once and the person hosting the party says, oh my God, oh my God, so good to see you. And I had some good news to share with them. And they said, how are you? And here's what I said to them. I said, I, I, I have so much I want to share with you but I know you're running this party and running around managing a lot of things. When would be a good time for us to sit down so I can share this with you in a way that makes sense for what you're doing today? I love that. And they went, oh my God, yeah, I got to go check on that. Let's talk in a half hour. I said, I'll tell you what, when you're ready, come find me. Yeah. So what happened was I said, I have something important to share you, but I was mindful enough to ask when would be an appropriate time for you to have the space to receive what I want to share. Or what I could have done is I could have said, they said, how are you doing? Oh my God, let me just tell you. And in the middle of my sharing, they would have said, oh my God, I want to hear this, but I got to go to the oven and check on this quiche or whatever they're making. So my level of communication, what I've learned and what I put into this book is how can we be mindfully aware of our needs and other people's circumstances and actually give people the space they may not give themselves as a way of valuing our sharing? Like, I have something really important to share, but I see you're pulled in five different directions. 
when would be a good time for us to sit down and talk and really, really connect? They feel seen. I feel valued. There's no resentment. And, you know, the surface of people saying, oh, I can hear everything you want to say. Let's get excited and talk about it. But you, but people may not be in that space. And so I think in communication, what helps to create the beautiful longevity of conscious communication is one, are we as equally mindful and respectful of our needs as we are of other people's circumstances? How aware are we of what we want and need and where someone might be or not be? And can we really learn to hold people's highest potential and our highest potential in the same place? And can we literally communicate in a way that is looking out for people and being a level of mindfulness and awareness that they may not have in the moment, given how thin their energy is being pulled in so many different directions? Amazing. Okay, so you're talking to a podcast listenership of folks who I think you're taking them to a a greater depth than we've gone before, which is just fabulous. That's what I love to bring to the show. They know a lot and you can talk to them at a high level with this question. There's a lot happening. You know, we've been we've been through a lot, right? We were all in 2019 being like, oh my gosh, can you believe how much we're going through? And then we go through 2020 and we're like, it couldn't get worse. And then we go through 2021. And now here we are in 2022. And not in a bad way, but as I tune in with spirit and the angels, they're like, buckle in because over the next eight years, you're going to be looking back in 2030 saying, oh man, <laughs> you know, like um, <laughs> the polarization isn't going away. It's nope. becoming deeper and it's mm-hmm. going to become even deeper. Right. And I think, as I just said, that there are a lot of souls who just had their heart chakras tense up there a little bit. Um, those who are listening are channels of love. Those who are listening are channels of healing. What do we most have to learn to do within ourselves and within the division within the world Mm -hmm. in order to bring us to the new earth that is coming? Great question. And for everyone that's watching, thank you for being such a divine channel of love. What we have to do is we have to be a light that is not opposing darkness. Because when we are a light that's opposing darkness, we're actually empathing darkness as fear of light. When we are love that opposes hatred, we're actually empathing hatred's fear of love. Because hatred, whether it's manifesting as division, judgment, righteousness, systemic racism, all division, all judgment, all persecution is actually a fight against one thing. We could say it's the unconscious masculine fighting the divine feminine. We can also say even under that, it's the fear of intimacy because the unconscious masculine and masculine feminine is energy that lives in all of us as polarity. The unconscious masculine pretends to be the guardian and protector of those it thinks are in a helpless state. But the greatest strength the masculine has is in surrendering to the beauty and equal power of the feminine. And so all divisions in the world are based on a fear and aversion to intimacy, equally an intimacy that people want. So people want intimacy and they want to pick and choose when and when they're not intimate and call that freedom. 
The truth is we choose intimacy and we learn to live there. And the interesting thing is when we fully surrender to intimacy, we instantly become a character that other people are incapable of manipulating. And it becomes nearly impossible to have your feelings hurt. We think that if we become more intimate, we're going to be more of a victim. The truth is the more intimate we become, the less of a victim we are. And the more we make it safe for other unconscious beings to know, not unconscious like we're labeling people, unconscious being someone who is still afraid of intimacy. We are in the water to show other people that it's safe to be in the water. And there are people who fantasize about the water, but are equally afraid of getting wet. Mm -hmm. So what we are doing is we are making it safe to be intimate. And we do that by being honest, by being loving, by not trying, not tolerating being mistreated, but also not internalizing everything or having this idea like, I can only be around people of like mind because the silly thing about being around people of like mind is then eventually everyone of like mind turns on each other and does the same shit we do outside of like mind. So really, if people are listening to this, and I also want to share this, that would be very helpful in remembering. The collective awakening always goes through a certain pattern. The pattern is absorption foreshadows transcendence. And that means as if we have a, as a planet are transcending duality, transcending differences, transcending judgment and righteousness, transcending hatred, transcending an aversion to intimacy. If the equation is absorption foreshadows transcendence, first we have to be fully absorbed in the condition before we as a species can move beyond it. And explain what you mean by absorbed. Absorbed means the world right now is fully in the absorption and identification. Not every person, but a lot of people are absorbed in righteousness, hatred, judgment. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. If you're on my side, you're right. If you're not, you're wrong. Oh, if we're on the same side, we're friends. If we're not on the same side, we're not friends. People are absorbed, identified with hatred, division, righteousness, entitlement. Everything we could say the world's absorbed in on a collective level is foreshadowing the transcendence beyond it. So if we can see as a planet, whether in our lives and our families and our partners and ourselves or collectively, people are steeped in very intense patterns because it foreshadows us moving beyond it. How do we move beyond it? By learning how to hold space for ourselves how to hold space for others, and learning how to give to yourself and connect with the universe to pour into you every resource available to you so you can do the greatest thing in relationships, which is let other people be exactly where they're at and decide what does and doesn't work for you from a place of empowerment and learning how to communicate that in the most heart-centered, loving way. So spirit just brought back a memory that I haven't had in over like 20 years, but wow. I remember reading, it was either when I was like 18 or 19, um, the four agreements came out and my consciousness was in a place at that moment where I had to go back and read it a couple of times to just really marinate in it and absorb all of the wisdom in that book. And I know that I am personally growing spiritually 
when I take a person's writing and I go, okay, I heard it, but I have <laughs> to go back and I have to read this again. And I might have That's to right. read this couple times, three or four times to really fully grasp the entirety of it and be able to implement into my life. And what I found is with those particular books, and there's been others within my life, and yours is one of them, this newest one, All for Love, what happens is I end up growing most from those books. That's right. And so I, I that's just some hindsight is 2020 for those who are listening. And so what I want to tell my listeners is you are so spiritually advanced. Everybody who's listening to this, you are on the right path. You are doing yes. the right things. I don't want you to get into reading Matt's book and be like, wait, you know, like and, and then just kind of put it down. I almost want you to go through and read it three or four times and and really absorb everything that he's talking about because um, it is at a very high level where you can tell that spirit brought this information into you so that we can pull people up That's right. to the same level. And so don't get frustrated with the material. It's so beautifully written and it's so deep. It's just the matter of fact that you have to kind of work with it a couple of times to really be able to implement. Um, and and so I encourage everybody to do that. Well, and I love what you're saying. And I want to just add to that, that, you know, I write books only for the purpose of, of, create, of bringing through material that will be studied. Like groups will gather and study this book again and again and again and 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 every time they read it get a new meaning a new nuance a new angle that's why i write books i don't write for any other purpose and i think that also when we're reading part of the whoa did i really just hear that or i got to really take that in it's not because of it's not just because of the material but it's the universe slowing us down mm. to be less in our rational minds and more to access our subconscious minds and to really start allowing our heart to really feel the experience versus our minds trying to kind of interpret in such an overly rational way. Like, okay, if this is this and this is this. And so I, I think it's really a book that as you read the book, because I channel healing energy, there's an energy encoded in this book. You can literally feel it when you put your hand on it. In fact, the, the, the funny thing is all my books, when they come out, we get videos of people and their animals, like their animals, like sleep on my books and touch, <laughs> you know, don't take my book. That's, that's my book. And yeah. so that's a great sign, but the literal experience of reading every page of all for love will be actually an experience of energetic activation, healing and clearing and awakening and progress. So just know as you're reading this book, all for love, this book is an actual deeper healing journey in and of itself. So you're reading words, you're taking it in. There's also an energy coming to life within you to actually put you into the highest alignment with spirit so you can actually become and, and authentically express and embody what the book is help, helping you to awaken. So it's an actual living, breathing, healing container and experience of expansion. It's gorgeous. I love it. Matt, thank you so much for blessing us with your time here on the show. Let everybody know. Um, well, I'm sure they can find the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Mm. We'll put that in the show notes. But where can everybody find you too? Also, in terms of pre-ordering this book, if you go to matcon.org slash love, that's matcon.org slash love, you can pre-order the book, comes with bonuses. 
And it, it, it is just, again, I am so excited for this book to be birthed. And again, for the healing journey we're all on, for the kind of divisive world we're experiencing, and learning how to be consciousness without waiting for the world to be conscious first, to find our own safety in our own being, and to learn how to communicate and really help even uplift others around us. How do we do it? I'm so excited for everyone to read this book, and I'm overjoyed that we had a chance to connect today. And, and, and thank you for blessing my life with so much exquisite angelic joy. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome here anytime. Thank you. Beautiful soul, thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are sitting around you now, who's connecting with you, and how they're supporting you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a virtual session. You can do a reading with me or a member on my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the best they can to support you and guiding you to the life you want to live. Virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website, never, never, never offered on social media, only offered on theangelmedium.com. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn energy healing, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and business mastery skills. That's the Angel Reiki School. You can find more information on theangelmedium.com or DM me over on Instagram at Angel Podcast with any questions you have. Friends, before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hand on your heart, taking a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love in front of you. I want you to step into that love in front of you. And I want you to feel it as it fills your body, your chakras, and your auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? and open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.